everybody, and welcome. Today is August 1st, so we got a new month ahead of us. This is fantastic. This is episode 165 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Osher, and over the next 30 minutes or so, I'm super pumped that I'll be delivering the top cybersecurity news stories of the day and providing my expert analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner, or if you're looking to break in the industry, we've got you covered. Shout out and thanks to this this stream sponsor. Uh-oh. Shout out and thanks to this stream sponsor, Barricade Cyber Solutions. Cyber criminals have stolen your company's data and derailed your business operations. What is going on with my top screen? There we go. I'll tell you all what is actually happening behind the scenes in a second, but let me tell you about Barricade Cyber Solutions since they are the sponsor and I do really appreciate what they're doing. Cyber criminals have stolen your company's data and derailed your business operations. Barricade Cyber Solutions will help you resolve this ransomware attack and get your business back on track. Genuinely appreciate Eric Taylor and the whole team over at Barricade Cyber Solutions sponsoring the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. Guys, I've said it before and I'll say it again. If you work at an organization right now and you are responsible in some capacity for information security and you don't have a plan for when you get punched in the mouth, be it ransomware or just some type of compromise that requires real skilled incident response capability, then it's in your best interest to just simply reach out, set up a call with Eric and his whole team, no obligation. This is what the website looks like. And just talk through like what, what it would look like if you had to call them, right? Simple as that. Now, if you are live, love it. I see 73 of us in here. Pretty good for a Monday morning. Thanks for being here so much. If you're watching on replay, please be sure to drop a comment like hashtag team replay. That seems to be the the comment du jour and uh you know it's it's the tribe of the team replay i do enjoy it because i got to remind everybody if you do have certifications that require cpes or continuing education units ceus each episode of the daily cyber threat briefing just like this one is worth half a cpe so that's two and a half a week 10 a month it's august 1st stay with us all week that's two and a half stay with the whole month of august that's about 10 maybe Maybe uh, 12 point, uh, like, I don't know if it's exactly 20 days in the month, but you get my point. The key thing is, and look at everybody else doing it. Just say what's up in chat. If you are a lurker, that's totally cool. No judgment. Some people, they just don't want to engage. That's cool. But be sure to just say what's up or I'm here or checking in or, or just anything. That way, if you are ever audited, you can just point to the streams and be like, check it out. I'm in the comments. It's burned into the stream. It's called forensically sound. Those are my credits. All right. Now, if you are watching on replay, whether you're listening on the audio podcast that I publish right after each episode, or you're watching this stream itself on replay, you have the benefit of time travel. So if you want to skip the pleasantries, which I'm going to be doing in just a moment, explaining what, what is happening today and why I'm a bit of a mess. Uh, you can just click, 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 maybe on a, your podcast app of choice, hit 30 second jumps three times. Cause I go about 90 seconds. Or if you're watching visually, when this promo card starts turning into news, that means we're off and running. But for the next 90 seconds or so, I am super pumped to be slugging some coffee in my to-go mug. 
you know, that's an Easter egg here, or not an Easter egg, but a harbinger of what's about to happen. Sipping coffee and saying good morning to the Simply Cyber community. Happy birthday, Jade. Good to see you, Zalia. Good to see you, McLarty. Hope the interview went good, McLarty. Aditya, good evening where you are. What's up, Hunter Taylor? Mark Schrader, hashtag Team Live. I do love it. What's up, Louise? T, uh, Tom Bishop, good to see you. B. Cole, my man, good to see you. Or my lady, I'm not sure. B. Cole, Caleb Hall, good, hello. Guys, got the coffee. I hope you all had a wonderful weekend. I had a great weekend. Went and had a really like fun dinner with the wife and kids yesterday. Very relaxed, very loungy, like, you know, long dinner outside. So the kids are running around. Had to take one of my dogs to get surgery this morning. So that's why I am coming in hot real hot didn't have anything set up at 757 i appreciate the grace for the couple days uh, excuse me for the couple minutes late that i ran in but you know uh gotta take care of the family and my pups are part of my family so let me just take a slug of coffee yep got the blue team rocking it i do appreciate that black hills re-released this shirt since I have the red team one and I, <laughs> I'm a bit of a poser if I'm if I'm being honest about being red team I mean I appreciate uh, the entire industry and cybersecurity and supporting all factions of it but uh, it to call me red team is to call me like I don't know uh, an electrician or something like or, or no, no no that's not even fair like a master chef like I can cook but I certainly wouldn't consider myself a master chef just like I can you know, dabble on the red side, but I, I'm by no means leet hacks or at all. Good morning, Will Reed. Hey, Navina. Hope you got that World of Haiku license. Guys, the World of Haiku, I've been playing it on stream and it's been great all week. The license raffles were great last week. I reached back out to the CEO, told him how good it was going and asked him if he wanted to drop five more licenses. And he gave me a high five virtually, of course and dropped five more licenses. So I'm super pumped. We'll be raffling off World of Haiku licenses all week this week, guys. So be sure to stay with us as I will be um, giving you the raffle code at halftime and we'll be drawing at the end. Also, fun fact, today I'll be, I'll be doing it live, but uh, we'll do some team replay raffle drawings as well, where you'll go to the Discord and you'll have 24 hours to enter the raffle. That way, the my hashtag team replay community members aren't left like in the lurch or in in the rain, like looking through the glass, like some 80s rom like love, you know, like teenage angst love movie, like looking through the glass at Team Live, being like, why can't I get the raffle? So we'll I'll take care of all that. All right, guys, that's going to do it. Um, let me take one more slug of coffee and we will get into the news. Mm. I don't know what Joel's getting congratulated for, but it looks great. Joel, congratulations. Super pumped. Sure, it's good news. New on your channel since last Friday. Can't get enough. Well, Samuel, welcome to the party. Thank you so much. Let me get into mod chat. You just give me some grace, guys, as I'm getting my situation sorted out. All right, guys. Let's sit back, relax, and enjoy the news. What's up, Casey? Good to see you. From the CISO series, it's Cybersecurity Headlines. 
It's Monday, August 1st, 2022. A huge network of 11,000 fake investment sites targets Europe. This network promotes numerous fake investment schemes to users in Europe that show fabricated evidence of enrichment and falsified celebrity endorsements to create an image of legitimacy to lure in a larger number of victims. According to researchers at Group IB, the goal of the operation is to trick users into falling for an opportunity for high return investments and convince them to deposit a minimum amount of 250 euros, that's 255 US dollars, to sign up for the fake services. More than 5,000 of the identified malicious domains are still active and they're targeting numerous countries across Europe. Great cash, homie. Okay, so, <laughs> I mean, this is, you know, part and parcel, guys. I talk all the time about, uh, you know, crypto scams, NFT scams. This didn't say specifically crypto and NFT, but guys, this right here, this is as old as the day is long. This is financial scam 101. Okay, now what I find interesting, I don't know if you guys have been following what's going on with um, the NFT space, but like a bunch of celebrities are getting pulled in um, and, and now they're actually being uh, brought up on either civil charges or regular charges like Paul Pierce, former Boston Celtic, um, I know was brought in on one. Uh, the Board Ape Yacht Club is like celebrities, everything. So real celebrities are being kind of uh, weaponized in a way to promote legitimacy of bull crap coins and, and NFTs and stuff like that. I love that this scam has just gone one step further and just faked the entire thing. Like why get real celebrities involved and pay them real money for endorsements? Why not just make it all up? I mean, you're going to be committing crime anyways. Why not just go all in on it, right? Put on both legs of the, of the crime pants, so 11,000 fake investment sites. This, is, I mean, this is just basic fraud 101, right? Misinformation, um, you know, fake echo chamber of multiple bot accounts, like saying, oh yeah, that's absolutely true. Guys, we see it on YouTube, or at least I've seen it a few times on my channel on YouTube, where like, it'll be a post like, oh, guarantee, like for, out of nowhere, we're talking about like, you know, like uh, incident response triage techniques. And then like in the comments, someone's like, oh, you know, I was able to triple my 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 investment by going to this website. And then someone chimes in like, absolutely true. I did as well. Like, good on you, you know, seven, three, eight, four, you know, boo boo or whatever. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, guys, this is total crap, but, but it works. It It is fraud. It is legal, um, but it does work. And unfortunately right now in these, um, kind of uncertain financial times as the markets reset and recession is impending and inflation is definitely a thing. You know, scammers are going to scam. What I find kind of gross too is that they're targeting like, you know, 250 bucks. I mean, here's the thing. 250 bucks isn't a lot of money to some people and it's a very lot of money to some people, right? So, but they, but it's a low threshold. It's not like they're targeting like minimum 200,000 or, or, or get the hell out of here. So 11,000 fake investment sites. That's a lot to stand up. Sometimes I think about how easy it is to spin up infrastructure from a threat actor perspective, red team people. I'm kind of curious, like, is this, is this easy to spin up or is this, you know, not work, but you know what I mean? Like if someone burned down your 11,000 investment site, fake infrastructure, would that hurt? I think it would. But I don't know. You might be able to script these things. What's up, Gray? 
<laughs> we got a new sounder over the weekend. We recorded a sheesh from Gray. Uh, for I had to ask him when to play it, but it's a new sounder. Doll dropper Android apps serve up banking malware. Researchers at Trend Micro uncovered the malicious campaign that leveraged 17 seemingly harmless Android dropper apps on the Google Play Store, collectively tracked as DAW Dropper, D-A-W, Dropper. They masqueraded as productivity and utility apps such as document scanners, VPN services, QR code readers, and call recorders. The apps were spotted dropping four families of banking trojans including Octo, Hydra, Ermac and T-Bot and have since been removed from the app marketplace. Wow. North Korea linked sharp tongues. So, I mean, okay, guys, it's, you know, another day, another Android malware app, right? So I, <laughs> threat actors have seen this as kind of a soft target, getting malware into the Android uh, Google Play Store, people installing it. It's banking malware. I mean, this is what Emotet originally was. Banking malware has been around for a while. Info stealers, like Redline Info Stealer, is a, is a popular one right now on the malware families. Um, you've just got to be mindful, people. If you're installing apps on your device and then you're accessing your banking and stuff like that, um, you are running slight risk. The only thing I can encourage you to do and encourage you to tell your end users is, you know, when you're going to choose an app, try to... The thing is, I would say do your research and kind of get one that has like good ratings or people talk about or whatever. But the thing is, we saw maybe a month ago uh, a string of malware in the in the Play Store and they had like, you know, 10,000 five star reviews and stuff like that. So you can't even bank on that anymore because threat actors are able to um, uh, basically fake those reviews through bot accounts and, and all that. So it's not great. I mean, all I could say is you make them mindful that this this happens keep an eye on your banking um unfortunately if a threat actor gets into your bank account and clears you out um i don't know if fdic at least in the united states would cover that they cover if like a bank gets robbed and your money's safe but if you get poked through malware i don't know if they cover you obviously credit card companies won't hold you liable for fraudulent charges but this isn't what they're doing this is much 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 grosser uh, especially if they get into your large accounts, like if you have, you know, retirement account and you've been sitting on it for years, trying to trying to grow that egg so you can actually retire without working uh, in into the, um, in, you know, into your 80s or whatever. So be mindful, educate your end users, and and just you know don't willy nilly install apps. And oh by the way, I don't know if this is going to have lasting effect, but you should go through your phone every once in a while, once a month, whatever, and delete apps you're not using anymore because they are just sitting on your device and could potentially be, you know, communicating back and forth with infrastructure. And if it is malware, it could persist, essentially. You're leaving it as a persistence mechanism on your device. Now, th there could be a discussion around once you launch it the first time, would it install a new persistence mechanism? So even if you delete it, it's still resident on your phone. That's quite possible. But in general... Reduce your attack surface, okay? Spies on email accounts with a malicious browser extension. Sharp Tongue. Sharp Tongue has been using a malicious extension called SharpX on Chromium-based web browsers to spy on victims' Gmail and AOL email accounts. Wait, what? Cybersecurity firm Volexity tracked the threat actor. Did they just say AOL? <laughs> what? Gmail and AOL? Wow.
whoever was in North Korea probably should have done the research and figured out that one of those two is not the same. Wow. But noted its operation overlaps with one of the Kim Suki APT group. Unlike other extensions used by Kim Suki, SharpX does not try to steal usernames and passwords, but rather it accesses the victim's webmail account as they browse it. The long tail of the chip. Okay, so this is a malicious browser extension. They said it goes on Chromium, um, Chromium, which Google Chrome is definitely built on, and Microsoft Edge is built on. Um, I'm kind of curious um, how the extension gets installed, whether it's like a drive-by install that you don't have access to. Typically, when you install extensions in your browsers, it will give you a pop-up to um, validate that you do want to uh, install. Now, I have seen end users in my environments install uh, browser extensions. Where's my, where's it? I've seen users in my environment install browser extensions because they're trying to like do something. Like they're trying to download, um, like I've, this is a real example. They were trying to download a PDF or something. They were obviously not paying attention to what they were doing because they were in a site that any one of us would be like, what are you doing in this? It's like, it's like walking into like a wicked sus, like, you know, um, filthy off strip flea market thing and thinking that you're walking into like Nordstrom's like, this is clearly not what you think it is friend. Anyways, they went to do download. Uh, it popped up and said, you need to install this browser extension in order to complete the download. They clicked happily through it and then installed malware. It was a crypto miner, but my point is, Extensions can get installed by end users. This one um, is interesting because it doesn't really try to do anything other than read your email. My suspicion is that they're sucking in, like, um, like ingesting all this content, all this email. And then on the uh, North Korea side, like once they've got it all in their data sets, they probably have filters or AI, ML, running, looking for keywords like cryptocurrency related stuff, trying, trying to find targets um, and then, or, or um, sensitive information, and then weaponizing that afterwards, okay? Um, the one thing I would point out is, um, you know, for your end users, make them aware in general about browser extensions. Make sure you could tell them, well, this isn't a lie. I don't lie. But you can tell them, hey, browser extensions suck up system resources if you're having, you know, performance issues or you want your machine to run faster, uh, make sure that you either disable, delete, remove extensions in your browser that you don't typically use. Here's how you do it. Show them a little video, right? We've talked about this in the GRC Analyst Masterclass, right? You can use a tool like Loom to do a quick video. Show them what that is. And it's true, not having bloated extensions is faster. But also, if they've accidentally downloaded one and unaware, um, you can make them aware of that. You can also tell them that they should only be ex installing extensions if they know what they're doing. And if they get a pop-up about an extension, they should be aware that they're about to get violated, okay? Final thing I'll say about this. Again, like, who did the research in North Korea here? They're like, oh, you know what? L let's get Gmail. And then, like, you know, some a gray hair in the back's like, don't forget about AOL. And they're like, all right. Like, <laughs> okay, Kevin, we'll, we'll, we'll add AOL to that. Like the people at Huntress, by the way, great work for Huntress. People at Huntress who must have like done this research had to double check <laughs> that it was looking at AOL too. I, Jesus. Now I will say, as I'm joking and mocking AOL, um, 
like my brain is also thinking, why? Why would they do AOL? Here's why. I bet you a million bucks. Oh, not a million. I bet you a hundred dollars. Like with all due respect, an older population still uses AOL. They did not migrate off. It worked in the 90s and it still works today. Get off my lawn. That population is actually quite vulnerable to scam attacks, fraud attacks, phishing, spear phishing, um, like that whole uh, category of attacks. They are actually a really vulnerable population, elder abuse essentially. So as much as I made fun of AOL a second ago, they probably actually are targeting AOL intentionally because it's already pre-screened of a certain victim population who probably has retirement money as well. Okay. Glad I did a full, <laughs> glad I did a full 180 on that where I'm making fun of North Korea and then outlining how brilliant they are and what, well, I mean, brilliant is kind of a, a subjective term because they are targeting elderly people or older population, but whatever. Shortage. A report in Nikkei Asia describes how chip suppliers in Japan and China are admitting they will miss the elongated delivery times they have promised to customers worldwide due to the bottlenecks in the supply chain that they themselves rely on. These include manufacturers of chemical cleaning machines, valves, tubes, pumps, gases, and containers made of special plastics, all of which are vital to the painstaking precision required in chip manufacturing. The experts warn that countries who believe that they can onshore the entire chip-making process to no longer depend on external suppliers will find the task impossible due to the complexity of this process. Wow. Okay. So, two things here. One, they're basically saying that uh, chip makers um, are running into supply chain issues. It's a very complicated process. And there's things like just getting chemicals from a chemical manufacturer in order to clean the products or the, the systems that actually generate the chips um, are, are in demand, right? We are in this like really, really entangled global economy and we're seeing impacts from it, especially, you know, China, big producer of uh, semiconductors and, and technology, microchips, all this stuff. Um, and they are in like, again, I don't know if this is still happening wholesale, but there were like entire provinces of China that were just like shut down for COVID, like, Nobody's going to work for two weeks. Okay, period, end of story. Like full on, like pause everything. Okay, that's that's contributing to this. Um, and we're all dealing with it. We've been dealing with the pressure. Like, I don't know, like for those of you who like work in IT and are doing like product refreshes, laptops, you know, getting like aging out or, you know, Carl drops it in a toilet or whatever, like, replacing those things like there's been instances where people have had to go to best buy because you just can't get them through like your dell procurement process right but you need a computer today right it's not like you can be like oh well don't worry you know ceo we'll get your computer in six to 12 months right like that's not going to fly you have to get them a machine today um so we'll see we'll see i mean we, we simply cyber are caught up in this i just ordered a new rig uh, last week, you guys were all there for that. Um, and that's got a, um, NVIDIA 3080 GPU in it. So fingers crossed, simply cyber doesn't become a victim of the supply chain as well. Uh, but just be mindful of this, right? I guess for, for practitioners, what's valuable about this other than the personal impact of your own gear for practitioners, the mindfulness is 
really think about, um, you know, you're going to have to start accepting some risk around legacy systems, end of life, um, you know, repurposing systems, um, shoring up defenses and stuff like that, because this isn't going away anytime soon. All right, let's thank- take a minute and thank our sponsors. For this week's episode sponsor, Pius. Better production environment security starts with visibility. After all, how can you protect your most valuable asset if you don't know A, what's expected, and B, when something's happening that isn't expected? This is why Hyas Confront monitors traffic to alert you to anomalies, letting you address risks, threats, and changes while blocking infiltrations before they become successful attacks. Don't just react, take your security back with Hyas. Visit Hyas.com. That's H-Y-A-S.com. All right. Thank you, CISO Series, for helping us put this show together. Appreciate that. Also want to thank, as I mentioned earlier, where is my... Oh, wait. Um, hold on one second. I'm trying to set the raffle up. Again, thank you to Barricade Cyber Solutions for sponsoring, just as an FYI. Um, B- Barricade had signed a six-month sponsorship deal. August is the sixth month, so they've been with us for half a year. Really appreciate that long-term sponsorship. Uh, and just a reminder, guys, this is what their website looks like. It's barricadecyber.com. And if you scroll down, you'll see there's Eric Taylor, my man. That's his calendar. You just literally click on it and schedule a time with him. All right. Also, guys, World of Haiku. I mentioned it earlier. We've been playing it on stream. Let me refresh the screen so you guys can see all the glory of the of the video here. Oh, yeah. So basically, World of Haiku is a Steam... Uh, game that teaches you uh, introductory Linux skills and offensive security techniques, pen testing, in a really fun kind of cyberpunk world, um, you know, kind of dystopian, post-apocalyptic, but very, very digital. Uh, Cool little storyline, bunch of worlds. Several of us have been playing it. If you are interested in playing it yourself and winning a raffle key, well, guess what? We got you covered. Go ahead and type haiku in chat right now to enter. H-A-I-K-U. You can see it. Everybody's going to be dumping it in here in a second, but you can see at the top in white letters, that is how you spell haiku. H-A-I-K-U. I will be selecting a raffle winner at the end of the stream, which is about 15, 20 minutes from now. Um And, uh, oh, Michelle Bergeron, I'm going to have to come back and read about this AOL thing. Uh, but everybody's entering haiku. So, if uh, Grayson, you misspelled it. It's H-A-I-K-U. Uh... <laughs> All right. Um, everybody's doing it. There you are. There you are. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. So, we will, um, we will uh, select a winner at the end of the stream. But thank you very much. Canadian donut chain offers coffee and donut to settle data privacy invasion claims. Tim Hortons, a Canadian cultural cornerstone in the coffee and donuts sector, is offering to settle multiple data privacy class action lawsuits against it by offering something it knows it's good for, a coffee and a donut. The action is based on the discovery that between May 2019 and August 2020, Tim Hortons mobile apps collected geolocation data from users without their knowledge or consent. Tim Hortons will also have to permanently delete any geolocation data its apps improperly collected and must instruct third-party providers who had access to the data to do the same. 
The offer still requires approval from the courts. Okay. All right. So I had mixed emotions about this. I didn't even scroll on the story because I feel like the title alone says it all. Guys, I rail against, you know, kind of class action lawsuits, data privacy issues, data privacy. Why, why did I say privacy? Like, I, I guess I'm, uh, I am I got to get my three-piece suit and join the Kingsman here. So listen, normally when there's like a massive data breach, you get, um, you know, uh, well, this one isn't really privacy as much as it, it's geolocation data that they were stealing or, or, or taking without telling end users, right? So normally like a bunch of lawyers get in, it's a multi-million dollar lawsuit, all the lawyers get new Bentleys, and you and I, the victims, we get like, uh, you know, maybe a voucher for $4.37, right? Like, you know, two and a half years from now, complete garbage, hot trash. So, you know what? Coffee and a donut, you know, that's something I can do something with, right? I appreciate it. Um, at the same time, it's like, you know, it, it, it's almost flippant about the, um, the, I don't want to say egregious because like geolocation is not egregious, but like, the like oh hey sorry we we were like tracking you basically here's a coffee and a donut it almost seems flippant and like dismissive of the action especially if you're a big privacy zealot but i'm kind of torn guys where do you stand um where do you guys stand on this like do you feel like i guess the question is chat would you be happy if you were you were you know your privacy was violated in some capacity <clears throat> would you rather get a couple bucks Let's say $10, right? Let's make it nice and even. 10 bucks. Or would you rather get something of value that they produce? Coffee and a donut, right? Or, I don't know, USB drive if it was uh, Best Buy. Or, you know, I, I don't know. Like free rental if it was Blockbuster Video. <laughs> you guys remember Blockbuster Video? Okay, so uh, just really quick since uh, Nick Barker left coast, got up early. Let's take that coffee and donut and whip it. Out the door. All right, all right. So I mean, it's kind of fun. It's it's an interesting take. Whoever came up with that was probably like, it's probably a better idea to give them some coffee and donuts than anything else. Of course, from a marketing perspective, it's like, hey, bring them in. Give them, you know, like they do this anyways. Like, you know, on Boxer Day or Victoria Day, or I'm I'm being incredibly uh, uncultured because I don't really know Canada's holidays or whatever. But like some Canadian holiday. Ice fishing day. I don't know. Anonymous did in fact breach Russian databases and leak massive amounts of data. Following up on a story we brought you in April, in investigations into the allegations that hacktivists from Anonymous hacked Russian databases have proven to be correct. Cybersecurity specialist Jeremiah Fowl formed a random sampling of a hundred exposed Russian databases and discovered that 92 of them had indeed been compromised. According to CNBC, the leaked online was in amounts so large it will take years to review. This is confirmed by Shmuel Gihon, a security researcher at CyberInt. One of the more immediate outcomes of the attacks that Fowler and Gihon agree on is that Russia's cybersecurity defenses have been revealed as being far weaker than previously thought. When it comes Interesting. Okay, so this is interesting and I appreciate the um the 
what's the word I'm looking for? Um, the follow-up on this. Okay, so guys, um, you know, it's been a storyline for months now. Ukraine-Russia conflict. Early on, uh, several factions spoke out around supporting one side or the other, right? So, like, we remember, um, oh, my God, Con uh, Wizard Spider, a.k.a. Conti, coming out and saying that they were officially supporting Russia, uh, which ended up imploding that entire criminal organization because they did have Ukrainian membership. Uh, the Conti leaks happened, et cetera. Um, Anonymous came out, right? Anonymous... Um, you know, is, is a collective, you know, it's not really clear who's the head of it, right? Anyone can kind of wear the banner of anonymous. Anyways, they came out and said, we're supporting Ukraine. And then they started operationalizing and somebody came back and did a, um, a study of anonymous's activities and actually found, you know, it sounds like 92% of, which is a very high percentage, 92% of the uh, sites or whatever that were attacked uh, are in fact publicly available. Uh, the data is dumped. So Anonymous is, is executing on their objectives and, you know, successfully following it is what they said they were going to do. Now, remember, a lot of this information was very, um, I don't want to say racy, but it was kind of, it was kind of sus because, you know, they were leaking troop uh, positions and troop um, specific, like, this soldier, this is where they live. This is their family. This is et cetera, right? So like really dox doxing them. Uh, but then, you know, you got the argument of like non-soldiers uh, or whatever, people who are pro-Ukraine perhaps or anti-Russian uh, uh, machine, um, not liking what's going on, also getting doxed and stuff like that. So uh, it was a mixed bag. It's not like the people in Anonymous are going through and, 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 and filtering out only bad people um, in order to, to, to release the data on. So it was a hot mess, but you know, guys, I gotta say anonymous, as far as I can tell over the years, the last five, six, seven, ten years, like when they say they're going to do something, they do it and they do it pretty well. Right. I mean, I'm trying to think of what other, um, they had some major, major attacks, um, over the years. So anyways, just, you know, I guess this is more just uh, follow up on that. Pegasus spyware, we're only seeing the tip of the iceberg. Mm. During an open house intelligence committee hearing on Wednesday, U.S. lawmakers heard testimony from Citizen Lab, Google's threat analysis group, and a direct victim of Pegasus spyware, who together are calling on Congress to weigh in on spyware, asking for sanctions and increased enforcement against so-called legitimate surveillanceware manufacturers. Pegasus is the now infamous malware that its developer, Israel's NSO group, claims is only sold to legitimate government agencies and not to private companies or individuals. Committee Chair Representative Adam Schiff made the tip of the iceberg comment as follows: It is my belief that we are very likely looking at the tip of the iceberg and that other U.S. governmental have had their devices compromised, whether by a nation NSO's services or tools offered by one of its lesser known but equally potent competitors. End quote. Last week in ransomware. All right, guys. So here's the thing. Um, I've talked about Pegasus um, malware on the channel many, many times. Really, really quick. To, you know, for those who aren't familiar with it, there is a group in Israel called NSO Group. They are think of them as a arms dealer. Okay, they have cyber weapons, 
specifically this Pegasus one is a really sophisticated, highly effective surveillance tool that can basically get installed on an iPhone without the end user doing anything or being aware that it's been installed, right? It's very, very spooky, you know, espionage spy type stuff. Now, NSO group takes the position that we only sell it to legitimate governments that are going to use it for legitimate law enforcement purposes. And the idea is that like, oh, okay, like, um, you know, some criminal mastermind, we can push it onto their device and understand their operations and ultimately arrest them and make it great for everybody, right? The greater good. But in reality, Cash Talks and NSO group is a business. And there's been instances where they sell it to political parties who are using it to invest, um, to, you know, basically get after their political opponents. Um, we saw that in the Catalina region of Spain, um, it, like in 2020 or whatever. The story just came out a few months ago, but like it's happening. Now, the, the United States Intelligence Committee um, or U.S. the House Intelligence Committee, whatever, the, the United States is getting involved and they're like, okay, we need to crack down on this. This isn't really good, yada, yada, yada. Here's my thing with this. Yes, I agree. And I bet you if, <laughs> I bet you if we controlled it, it would be a little bit of a different narrative, okay? So I'll just throw that out there for starters. But secondly, um, I don't see how the United States can they're discussing this, but what, like, it's, you can't, NSO Group is a private company in another country. And this is part of what's, what's going on with the, um, the modern world, right? Like, like companies and businesses, specifically big tech companies have a lot of power for lack of a better term. Right. And they're not confined to geopolitical boundaries or, or nations, frankly, they're almost kind of their own thing. I, I've said this on the channel before. Elon Musk owns a space shuttle company that used to be for first world powers only. And even, you know, like US and Russia had the space race and Russia, like, you know, they have some abandoned projects and stuff like that. Like, like Elon Musk has that. So with, with this particular thing, I don't know how the United States could push down anything, but they're talking about it. They're obviously seeing it as a real uh, threat, frankly. And when they say tip of the iceberg, um, as far as I know, I mean, Pegasus is kind of like the big tool that they always talk about, but with the capability to compromise a device like that so easily, obviously they have very, very skilled engineers on their team, reversers, security researchers, et cetera. Um, it, you know, so they could develop multiple types of malware and I appreciate that they're looking at it. I appreciate that they're talking about it. I just don't see, you know, how does this work out? Israel is a ally of the United States. United States doesn't like what NSO group's going to do or doing. So what do they say? Like, we're not going to sanction Israel. It's a private business, right? So what do you, you sanction NSO group? I, I don't think they care. They're making money hand over fist, selling their product and wares in the international theater. I like, yeah, so I, anyways, I just, I don't see how, how this will result in any type of action to this. Uh, but it is interesting that they're talking about it at that federal level because they obviously see the problem. It's a, it's a nasty bit of malware. Sure. I mean, yeah.
A new ransomware do-it-yourself kit called Carmen made the rounds, making it easy for wannabe cybercriminals to launch ransomware attacks. Security researchers believe the recently discovered ransomware-as-a-service offering was developed in part by a Russian-speaking ransomware author who goes by the alias Dev Bitox. Carmen, K-A-R-M-E-N, can turn almost anyone into a cybercriminal in just a few clicks. Carmen is based on a well-known open-source ransomware project called Hidden Tier. The customizable ransomware comes with a dashboard that allows cybercriminals to track the number of machines infected and the total revenue accrued and provides automatic updates. Carmen even automates payment processing so users can concentrate on distributing the ransomware. All of this can be yours for just 175 US dollars. Wow. All right. I mean, I've heard of ransomware as a service, but now they're taking it to the script kitties, right? <laughs> Putting all the functionality. I, I'll tell you what. I, if, I wish I had more time, dude, $175. That's not cheap, but it's not expensive. Like simply, like <laughs> simply cyber video, like <laughs> walk through this and, and ransom somebody who's given us authority. Right. Obviously I'm not going to just like pop someone and uh, make a video of it, but it would be interesting. This is a little scary. Uh, we may see an uptick in the ransomware. I don't know enough about the open source ransomware threat uh excuse me open ransomware family that they're using because it might actually be uh something where there's a decryptor or it doesn't hit successfully every time you guys got to remember i'll just say this and then we'll we'll move on you got to remember like in a video game or whatever when you detonate malware it works 100 percent of the time boom it's in right in reality you know, like this ransomware, yeah, you could you could detonate it on someone's machine, but maybe they're running a version that is patched and is invulnerable to whatever the exploit is that you're trying to use in order to get the ransomware. So the ransomware is probably going to run, but how do you get it to run on the end user's endpoint? You have to trick them, right, with a fish or mail attachment, um, USB drive, like whatever it is, you got to get it there, and that doesn't always hit. So you're not guaranteed quick money, right? You're not just like making it rain if you sign up for Carmen Ransomware. Also, by the way, um, if you do this, I, I would love to see some type of public service announcement from the federal government talking about like what the f punishment would be if you committed ransomware. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so like if this is targeting 20 year olds or, you know, someone who's in college or someone who just graduated with a ton of debt or someone who you know, who frankly doesn't know what they're doing and just looks at it as easy money. It'd be interesting to say like, okay, like, yeah, you could do this, but you know, five years, 10 years, whatever. When we see drunk driving videos, driving under the influence of drugs, um, you know, I, I don't know how widespread and rampant this is, but it is not good for us that they're making it easier and easier. But seriously, ransomware as a service has been around for a while. You just needed to be able to get to the, the dark webs in order to sign up and get you know, get your affiliate on. This week on Super Cyber Friday, we'll be digging into hacking. All right, so let's turn the music back on. Nice. Hopefully the audio has been good for everybody. I have, as you guys know, I'm constantly working on trying to get the audio, um, you know, corrected and fixed up in here. And today is no different, but I think I've got it sorted out. Obviously when the new... When the new uh, rig comes comes online, we will be able to, uh, you know, dial our audio in perfectly, um, and you know we'll do that. So let's do our raffle, guys. Remember, thanks, Joel. 
If you want to win a license for World of Haiku and learn learn some Linux skills or you know re refresh your Linux skills, learn a little bit of pen testing. I've been doing it on stream. I'll schedule some more live streams later this week. I would like to finish the um, live. I, I would like to finish the game on stream before the end of the week. I think we're in World Five right now. Uh, appreciate those who come by and hang out while we're playing and, and, and contribute. Go ahead and drop haiku. We see Doris shot noose dropping haiku. Nico Nova dropping haiku. Rob Coat. Okay, let's draw everybody. Best wishes to all. If you win, connect with me on LinkedIn or Discord and I will get you uh, sorted out. Okay, a drum roll. All right, maybe I can do... Um, wait, I got a new... No, I don't have a drum roll. Here, we can do this. That's <laughs> all I got. That's all I got. Okay, here we go. Good luck to everybody. Winner is Jim Lund. Very nice. Jim Lund, squad member. Met with Jim Lund not too long ago. Congratulations, Jim. You know how to DM me. Get in there. Come collect your license. Jenny Housley, we will be working on level six pretty soon. Uh, maybe we could work through it together. We'll see how it goes. All right, everybody. Thanks so much. Poner Joe, left coast, getting up early. Hashtag team live. Very nice. Guys, really excited. Oh, real quick, just to tease something. If you are going to Black Hat DEF CON, I will be there. Um, I am in the Trace Labs Capture the Flag contest on Saturday. Um, Base Case is our team lead. I am wearing an NCC group hat right now. Uh, but I'm on the team. I'll be there on site executing. I was thinking, I think it's 10.30 to 2.30 local time, uh, so Pacific time. Right after that, we're going to be riding high on a train bound for glory and want to have a couple uh, refreshments, relax a little bit. So if you want, I was kind of thinking maybe a Simply Cyber community meetup or, you know, just whatever, like high fives. I don't know. Um, so Saturday, local time maybe maybe 3 30 um so i don't know stay tuned if that's something that's interesting to folks uh jump on discord and let's have a conversation it looks like um there's a conference meetup channel on discord uh that we can use to communicate i'm in there bases in there a couple other folks are in there so if you want to hang out whatever maybe we'll take we'll obviously take some snaps and post it to social media um, while we're at the meetup, hope, you know, look forward to meeting, uh, some of you, um, you know, definitely nice to get in person for a change. Oh, I forgot to put this back up. You know, I showed you for world of haiku, but I forgot to put this all back up. So I've been, I've been ride, riding naked here for the last 20 minutes. My B. All right, guys, that's going to do it for the stream. It's Monday, August 1st. I hope everybody had a great July. I hope everybody's ready for a big August, a big week. And uh, I'll tell you what, guys, really quickly. Um, I'm getting, we do have a Simply Cyber Live coming up. I know many of you subscribe to Cybersecurity uh, Central in order to find out what's going on this week. Uh, I am getting sorted out. I will have the Thursday live stream guest figured out later today. Um, I'm just finalizing that, okay? So stay tuned. Thanks, everybody, uh, so much. Thanks, uh, Grayson, for the new sounder. And I hope all of you have a wonderful day. We'll see you tomorrow. At
at 8 a.m. Uh, oh, last thing. Sorry, I'm always like one last thing. I don't know when I'm doing the World of Haiku Let's Plays, but they are kind of coming hot and heavy. Um, so if you want, if you're interested in that, either jump on the Discord server and get the SC Notify role, which will notify you when I go live, or the easiest way is on the YouTube channel. If you are subscribed, there's a bell for notifications and it'll, um, when I go live, it'll, it'll, it'll ding the bell essentially. Um, but anyways, I'm, I'm just not doing two weeks out and notifying everybody that I'm going to be playing Let's Play because it's basically, um, as my time allows, if I find like a, a window of time, I've been doing it four to five, uh, a couple days a week and I'm going to try to do that. Although I have to go pick up my pup from surgery, uh, at the end of the day today. So today is very unlikely to happen. All right, everybody, take care. Thanks so much, and we'll talk to you tomorrow at 8 a.m.